The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and strategies to shake up the status quo in human resources and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Hello, hello. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Yes. Welcome to the debut of our newest series, HR Trends with Game Changers. Very exciting to be hosting a brand new series under our SAP Radio Game Changers umbrella. And HR Trends is something every company, every organization, every employee or would-be employee wants to know about what's happening in the HR human, we used to call it human resources, arena today. So let's get started. Today's buzz, very important, differently abled. Is your company looking high and low for new sources of unique talent, that je ne sais quoi skill you've been unable to find so far? Do you need that something extra to enrich your workforce? I have good news. A diversity and inclusion program could open that door for you. Let me tell you a little bit about some articles I discovered online. Forbes.com, July 19th this year. Article entitled, Autistic People More Likely to Keep Jobs When? Read the article and find out. Interesting study. ABCnews.com on May 24, 2013. Autistic people find job niche in the tech field. Very interesting. We'll be talking about that. And also, according to a website called DiversityBestPractices.com, in one of their publications, they say at 50 million in the U.S., and get this, 1.1 billion worldwide, People with disabilities make up the largest and fastest growing minority group. Yes, baby listen to this. Baby boomers in the U.S. comprise over 77 million people ages 47 to 65. I am in that group, aha. Uh-huh. With the measured prevalence of a disability over age 65 at 51.8%, legions of the disabled to come are gathering on the horizon. My goodness. So I have a great panel of experts on this topic. We're going to speak to them in just a couple of minutes. But let me tell you you what they said about this topic. Our first speaker today will be Joe Gerstent, a consultant and author, and he says, we talk about inclusion as if it were an attitude or a state of mind, but it is an activist thing. If you don't intentionally and deliberately invite and include difference in the groups and processes you're a part of, you will always unintentionally be exclusive. That's the word we're trying to banish. No hatred or fear required. Joe, we'll hear from you in just a minute. Great quote. Also joining us today is an educator, Karen Russell from Fremont, California. And Karen says, in 1943, psychiatrist and researcher Leo Kanner found that autism was identified in two to four children per 10,000. Remember that, two to four in every 10,000. But today... The Center for Disease Control reports the autism spectrum disorders are in one in every 
88 children. Do the math. It's staggering. Also joining us today is Dave Hofferberth, an old friend who has been on our In the Cloud with Game Changers series. Recently had dinner with Dave and his partner Jeannie at Newtown Square for a special SAP event I was hosting. Dave is from SPI Research. And he says the following, and I quote, The 21st century professional services workforce demands the diversity required to innovate and execute. By tapping into a highly unique talent pool, we can create and deliver solutions to problems we don't know even exist today. Very important. We'll be asking Dave more about that. And rounding out our panel is another friend of SAP Radio, Fahim Ahmed. And he says, workplace diversity is about embracing, here's a big word for me, the panoply of thoughts, ideas, abilities, perspectives, needs, and styles. You said it all, Fahim. If embracing diversity leads to more innovative ideas and they lead to better results, then neurodiversity is every bit as important as gender diversity or racial diversity. Wow, what great thoughts to kick this off from my panel. So join us for the next hour for more insights on finding talent in unexpected places, the differently abled. I am Bonnie D. Graham. Thrilled to be here and thank you for joining us. I'm tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio. Also want to do a shout out to Liz Brenner from SAP, the sponsor of this new series, HR Trends. And Tom Flanagan couldn't be on the air without you, Tom. Great support and I thank you. So let me introduce my panelists. Joe Gerstant has worked with Fortune 500 corporations, small nonprofits, and everything in between. He is a contributor to the Workforce Diversity Network Expert Forum. That's a big, long title there, Joe. And his insights have been published in Diversity Executive, HR Executive, The Diversity Factor. The American Diversity Report and Associations Now. Joe believes that we can ill afford to continue applying a 20th century approach to an increasingly critical set of 21st century issues. Welcome, Joe Gerstan. How are you today? I'm good. How are you this morning, Bonnie? Wonderful. Where are you calling from, Joe? I'm calling from Omaha, Nebraska, and it occurs to me that it might not be morning where you're at. Well, I'm in New York, and it's just a little after 12 noon, so thank you for that. We'll just make a universal hello, welcome to whatever time of day it is. Joe, you're certainly an expert in this field. We're so thrilled to have you on the panel. Thanks for the great opening quote. Now I'm going to move on and introduce the rest of the panel, and we'll come back and talk to you in just a minute. So thank you. And I don't think we've ever had anybody calling from there before. That's interesting. Karen L. Russell is the Assistant Director of Special Services, Fremont Universal School, Unified School District, Fremont, California. She received her MA and school psychology credentials from UC Davis. Karen has had the opportunity to work with hundreds of children with special needs and their families in a variety of public and private school settings. Karen L. Russell, welcome to Game Changers Radio. How are you? Thank you, Bonnie. It's a pleasure to join the panel today. Thank you so much. And you're calling from Fremont, I assume, somewhere at your desk in the school district? Exactly. Sunny Fremont, close proximity to Silicon Valley. There you go. We have to do a shout-out right now, you know who, to Malcolm Kimberlin, who is a, a, a colleague of your colleague. Actually, he's married to Kathy, Kathy Kimberlin. I'm getting all tongue-tied here. Uh, Malcolm found you. He recruited you for the panel. Malcolm has great taste in panelists, and I know you're going to contribute a lot. We can't wait to hear your insight. So shout-out to Malcolm. There you are. He's listening. And also joining us today is, boy, what a long name, R. David Hofferberth. He's letting me call him just Dave because we've known each other for years. Dave's name is followed by the title PE. He is a founder and a managing director at SPI. I'll translate that service, 
Performance Insight. He has over 30 years of experience in information technology as an industry analyst, market consultant, and product director. Davis focused on the services economy, specifically white-collar productivity issues and technologies that help people perform at their highest capacity. And that's one of the reasons Davis here. The other is that he is the dad of a 17-year-old son who was diagnosed with severe autism at age three, but who has proudly developed into a teenager. Dave says many would never consider autistic. Welcome, Dave Hofferberth. How are you today? Great, Bonnie, and thanks for having me on board today. Wonderful. Pleasure to have you for, for many reasons. I know you're going to make a great contribution to our discussion. And rounding out our panel is another friend of SAP Radio, Fahim Ahmed. He's VP of Strategic Initiatives at SAP. He oversees the research, design, development, and product management for SAP's consumer healthcare initiatives. Fahim is also the founder and entrepreneur in residence for Care Circles. It's an app. It's a wellness platform connecting families with the information and services they need to care for their loved ones. Fahim, welcome back on the radio. How are you? Hi, Bonnie. It's good to be back here. Thank you so much. I know you've been super busy, so th- taking, thanks for taking time out to join us. Now, let's go back to the opening, and very quickly, let's see if we can get everybody's voices on the air here. Joe Gerstan, talk to me. You said inclusion. We talk about it like it's an attitude or a state of mind, but it's really an activist thing. Tell me why your position is such on this, please, Joe. Well, I think that, uh, unfortunately, a lot of organizations still don't have a good fundamental understanding of what diversity and inclusion are. They're certainly saying nicer things about it, but we still don't see a lot of action. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that we don't, organizations don't have a good understanding of what diversity and inclusion really are. And I think that the topic that we're talking about today makes a good example. I think most organizations, and there certainly are some exceptions, but most organizations, if they were to think about, for example, bringing folks uh, that are part of the autism spectrum into the workforce, they would see that as uh, almost a charity project. It would be about doing the right thing, being a good organization. They still aren't seeing the connection um, in how we actually create value. They aren't seeing uh, the reality that if we bring people in that see and process information differently, they might be able to help us create value. I think there's still uh, a pretty big disconnect in, in corporate America regarding these issues. Very interesting, Joe. And when you were speaking just now, when you said charity, I actually jumped. I, I winced. I, I moved in a funny way in my chair because we don't have to talk about them that way. There are contributions to be made. But the term right. PC also came to mind. Isn't it PC to say, oh, yeah, look at us. We're great. We have a DNI diversity and inclusion policy. We're doing the right thing. We're a PC company. Do you hear that lip service being played? Do you see that, Joe, a lot? I do. I think that's a big part of what's going on. And I, and I think on one hand, it, it is some movement in the right direction, but I actually think that the PC approach kind of gets in the way. I mean, at the end of the day, we want to have honest conversations between authentic human beings. And sometimes PC gets in the way of that. We're, we're so afraid of saying the wrong thing or not saying the right thing that I think sometimes we keep a lot of stuff to ourselves. So I think that, um, you know, PC has maybe helped us move in the right direction, but I think it's time to move beyond that. Yeah, good points. Thank you. And let's turn to Karen Russell. We have, let's see, four minutes left in the segment. Let's see if we get everybody in. Karen, you say in 1943, psychiatrist and researcher Leo Kanner found autism identified in two to four children per 10,000. Today, the CDC says the autism spectrum disorders in one in 88. This is staggering, Karen. Any thoughts on this? 
Well, I think that what happens then is that we see this prevalence in the school system just explode. And we were talking earlier about those concepts of inclusion. We want to see kids that are on the spectrum included within the school programs throughout the day. And so we're really helping to inform and kind of educate our teachers that, yeah, Kids with these different abilities can be taught in a general education classroom, but it may be it requires some differentiation of the instruction. And I think whether it's a classroom setting or a work setting, a lot of times what also prevents people from being more accepting is just this concept of fear. If I do the wrong thing or if I say yes. the wrong thing. But again, what we really, the message we try to get out are these are kids first with autism spectrum disorders, just like they are people or workers first with an autism spectrum disorder. Very, very well put. And there's that PC rearing its ugly head again, Karen. What if I say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing? We need to include. We need to address and include. We're going to be talking about that more. Dave Hofferberth, let's get your voice in here. You said, by tapping into a highly unique talent pool, we can create and deliver solutions to problems we don't know even exist today. Talk to me, Dave. What are you thinking? Well, you know, the the fact is, and again, my, my area of expertise is professional services and as I look around and see a lot of the new innovations in professional services, and it's, and it's a fascinating uh, market uh, to cover, I, I realize that, you know, the way things were done 20 years ago, 40 years ago, you know, they're not quite the same anymore. And what I have found is, is the diversity in the workforce tends to make us a lot better. And the fact that you get people that you wouldn't necessarily have working together, you get them to start working together, and there are some brilliant innovations that, that there, there's just no way anyone, anyone would have ever thought of without that. So we always push for diversity. Um, we always look to, for, to organizations that have that because I think the diversity drives innovation, and really that was my message. Well, it's a great message, and I think I have 30 seconds here before a break. So, Fahim, I want to get you in here. Just let's touch on your quote, and then we'll continue after the break. You say, if embracing diversity leads to more innovative ideas, and Dave spoke about this, and those ideas lead to better results, then neurodiversity is every bit as important as what we usually talk about, gender or racial diversity. Give me a quick overview of this, Fahim, and then we'll go to break. Well, Bonnie, it's really simple. You know, we spend, as a company, we, we put so much effort into rotating our employees and putting different types of employees together. We want designers and developers and product managers and salespeople all to sit together, to interact, to share ideas, because we find that's where creativity comes from. And we do this because they all think differently. A visual person thinks very differently from a, somebody who thinks in math. And when you talk about diversity, and if you bring neurodiversity in there, it, what, what has forced us to do already is be much more explicit, much more precise about communication and design, and it's already reaping benefits. So I think we're just at the start of what can be, but I think this is going to be no different than you know, 20 years ago when we started having a lot more women in the workplace and they brought, brought their perspective uh, to business practices. Well, woohoo! I'm so glad we did. <laughs> Karen and I are both very grateful for that, as well as everybody else listening. Uh, shout out to Liz Brenner. You know what? We have a lot more to come. This is the debut of our brand new series, HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP right here on the Business Channel. I'm speaking to a fabulous panel of Joe Gerstant. 
Karen Russell, Dave Hofferberth, and Fahim Ahmed. Our topic today is Finding Talent in Unexpected Places, the Differently Abled. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, still will and hope to be after the show. Brad, take us out, and we'll be right back after the break. Don't even think of touching that app, that mouse, that dial, whatever. Right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise. Today's reality, your HR department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers. Presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to HR Trends with Game Changers. Here we are, and it's time for me to ask my four esteemed panelists what they're drinking today because this is part of the Coffee Break with Game Changers umbrella series presented by SAP. Brad, I hear a little echo on myself. Okay, Joe Gerstant, calling from all the way from out there. What are you drinking today, Joe? Actually, there's nothing in my cup today, Bonnie. We have a, we have a new puppy in our house. We have a, a silver lab that's about five months old, and I'm working from home today in my home office and He's actually knocked my cup, my coffee cup over a couple of times today. Usually I would be drinking coffee. I'm a big fan of coffee, but uh, uh, it's not always easy to do. My wife and I have three kids and a frog and now a dog, and, and he's made it a little bit difficult for me to keep anything in my cup today. So, Joe, let's do a wish list. If you could have coffee that would stay in your cup long enough for you to drink it, what would that coffee be? What's your favorite? I, I like strong, dark roast, black coffee. Um, I'm also a pretty big fan of green tea. I bounce back and forth between the two of those. Good. I think bouncing back was bouncing was probably the key word of strong black coffee. Okay, thank you, Joe. Karen Russell, what's in your cup today? Well, I was going to go with empty as well, but since that was already taken, I'm going to be filling up with green tea, typical Northern California person full of antioxidants and uh, healthful Oh, you're too healthful, too healthy for me. Sounds really, really good. Thank you, Karen. They only let me have water on show days. No caffeine for Bonnie ever. What can I tell you? Surprise! Dave Hofferberg, speaking of caffeine, what are you drinking today? Well, since, uh, even though I live in Cincinnati, I'm a native of Boston, and of course that means I drink Dunkin' Donuts, and in particular Dunkin' Donuts uh, hazelnut with, of course, a lot of sugar in it. 
to make me a little sweeter. <laughs> I don't think they come any sweeter than you, Dave. I met you. We had a wonderful dinner at Newtown Square after the, uh, let's see, I was hosting the IABC Industry Analyst Base Camp panel that day, customer panel. What a thrill that was. Great to meet you and, and share dinner with you and all kinds of interesting people. Thank you. And Fahim Ahmed from SAP, what are you drinking today, Fahim? I'm also having green tea today, but infused it mint leaves from my own garden. Oh, nice. nice. I'm growing dill this summer. Well, summer's almost over and harvesting the dill, but I'm going to do mint next year. Thanks for the suggestion. Okay, let's move into the roundtable portion of the show. I'm going to kick it off with Joe Gerstan. And Joe, let's level set. I've been throwing around the D word, D&I, diversity, diversity and inclusion. What's the real meaning? What are we talking about? Speaking of PC, what are we, what should we be saying diversity really means? Let's start at the very beginning, and then we'll bring the rest of the panel in for their their POV, their point of view. Talk to me, Joe. Yeah, I, I think that language is really important. I think that, that we sometimes underrate the importance of language, and a lot of organizations don't have a clear and concise definition of what diversity and inclusion means for them. And so when they get together and they have conversations about diversity, they're using some of the same words, but everyone's talking about something different. And I think that the definition that I use is simply the one that I find in the dictionary. It tells me that diversity means different. And I think that that is a pretty actionable and valuable definition. Um, it helps us consider a lot of different kinds of difference. Organizations that are doing work around diversity, a lot of that work is focused on gender and race and ethnicity and age. And those are all important issues, and there's still a lot of work to be done around those. But those organizations don't have things like mental and physical abilities on their radar screen because of the way that they define and think about the words diversity and inclusion. So I think that that language is critically important. I think that it's one of the most valuable tools that an organization can put in place to support diversity and inclusion efforts. Certainly is. And before I turn to Karen and Dave and Fahim on their version of what diversity means, Joe, differently abled, that's part of the title of this show, Finding Talent in Unexpected Places. So when you think of differently abled, what, what's the scope of that terminology for you? You have a very deep background in, in D&I. So talk to me. What, what's, what does that mean to you? Uh, well, I, I don't really use the word or the phrase differently abled all that much, I talk about difference, and I talk about a lot of different kinds of difference. So one of the kinds of difference that I talk about is cognitive or neurodiversity, and that's, that's, that's probably the category that would cover most of what we're talking about today, people that bring different perspectives, different heuristics, different ways of processing information. It's a different kind of diversity than identity diversity, which is things like age and race and gender, but it is uh, very important, especially going back to some of the things that, that David talked about when we're doing design work and we're doing innovation, that cognitive diversity is sometimes some of the most valuable stuff that we have access to. Very interesting. Good points. Thank you. Karen Russell, what do you think of what's the meaning from your standpoint as a professional in the education field? What are you finding? What does diversity mean? How do you interpret it? And what about differently abled? I know you're focused uh, in your talking points so far on autism spectrum. But, Karen, what do you see? What, what's in education today? What does it mean? 
within um, within the education system, the, the federal government has defined 13 different categories of students with handicapping conditions, and that can range from everything from deaf, blind, deaf, blind to students with autism spectrum disorders or um, specific learning disabilities. But even within all of these categories, if we take autism spectrum disorders for one, there are students that manifest that with very um, incredible cognitive abilities and some with very low cognitive ability. And so even within a disability category, there's a large degree of spectrum. So I think that, you know, within, you know, when we talk about differently abled, we are talking about, let's look at the individual first. I think, um, you know, when we talk about kids with autism spectrum disorders, that concept of being cognitively different is really incredible because where most of us are kind of language-based in our thinking, a student with autism spectrum disorders is typically going to think better in pictures. And so when we're planning instructional strategies that are going to be more successful with that student, we're going to be looking at visual schedules, et cetera. For those students in the workforce, they're going to bring a very interesting perspective in terms of that ability to think in pictures or that focus more on details that others might miss. Good points, Karen. And I, I wanted to bring up uh, some of the articles I read that I mentioned at the top of the show today. Mentioned specifically that when, for example, autism spectrum students are applying for jobs, these people are not able to make eye contact. And that is typically a measure of a successful interview. Did the interviewee look at me? Did they engage with me? Will they be able to make relationships in the workplace, in the workforce when they join? They can't always do that. So there needs to be a different way of interviewing them and engaging them and understanding the unique skills they bring to the workforce. So that's another thing, but we'll talk about more later. Thank you, Karen. Dave Hofferberth, to you, diversity, the big D word. What does that mean to you, Dave? Well, you know, again, I, I think the, the the easy answer is some of the things that, you know, like Joe had said earlier, you you know, when we talk about diversity, you know, race, religion, um, you know, male, female, you know, things like that. But but I think that, you know, again, what uh, Fahim had talked about earlier about the neurodiversity, again, obviously it's, it's an area that I'm more interested in given uh, my son, my son's mm-hmm. condition. So, you know, my whole point is that the more diverse – the workforce, the more innovative the workforce. And in in business, in reality, that's really what we're trying to do is every business is trying to be innovative, to try to create new things that that the market wants, you know, that that will buy. And, and, you know, we're always struggling for that next big thing. And in my opinion is the more diverse the workforce in all those categories, uh, the better the organization is going to be prepared for that, uh, you know, I mean, I've been in technology now for for around twenty something years, and it's enabled me to travel the world, work with people from all over that I would never have met in other industries, unfortunately. So, you know, I see the diversity in the information technology world, and and you know, as you might imagine, it's a pretty exciting world and a pretty uh, high growth world, and I think it's it's really part of it is is because of that uh, diversity that we have in this market. Thank you, Dave. And I remember when this spring when we were together in Newtown Square, you and I and, and Jeannie, your partner at SP, SPI, sat with Shaquille Boudry, who was the keynote speaker from SAP, 
at that event of the day when I was hosting. And it was soon after SAP had made an announcement that it plans to hire, quote, unquote, I'm reading from the ABC News uh, article, enough autistic people to make up 1% of its 65,000-person workforce. As we like to say, them's fighting words. That's amazing. But, Dave, I remember you looked across the table at Jaki Boudry and you said, can you hire my son? He is great with technology and websites. Did that conversation happen? If you want to share that with us, Dave, did that ever happen? Well, with him or with my son? Did, did you did you uh, contact SAP about hiring your son, or no, is it something you know, you're no, thinking I about? No, I never did. After that, I you know I got I got home and really talked to my son about it again. With his condition, you know, the love of technology, um, and and again, what fascinates me as a parent who who, as I like to tell everybody, I've spent the past 15 years because my son's almost 18 working mm-hmm. on my Ph.D. and in my son, you know, and, um, you know, what I noticed was that he can come up with such creative things and he uses technology to, 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 to show it, to display it, that I kept thinking, you know, this is, this is his career. This is where he will be, and he should enjoy that because it's a wonderful career to have, and it offers him everything he could ever imagine in terms of long-term travel, growth, uh, you know, things like that. So, you know, I'm very fortunate to have that with a son on the autistic spectrum that that at least I can see right now a, a really strong, positive future for him. Obviously, he has to make it happen, though. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise. Today's reality, your HR department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram.com at sap.com and you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at twitter hashtag sapradio now let's get back to hr trends with game changers <laughs> the joys of technology. What happens when the host tie-line dies? Here we are. I'm Bonnie D. Graham back. We took an unexpected break. We were in the middle of speaking about the definition of diversity and difference. I was speaking to my fourth panelist, Fahim Ahmed from SAP. Fahim, what's your definition? We were talking about uh, your perspective. You are the founder of Care Circles app, a wellness platform connecting families with the info and services they need to care for loved ones. I believe you're also the parent of an autistic child how do you define diversity and, and then I want you to launch us into the next part of our conversation is why should businesses care what's in it for them so go ahead Fahim well, that's a great question Bonnie so um, I, I think you know 
the, the way I look at it, we, we looked at healthcare and we said, you know, well, how can we make a difference? And we actually started our experiment by looking at families dealing with autism. We studied hundreds of families and professionals and researchers, and we tried to find out what they thought and how they thought we could help over here. And that really influenced my thinking about diversity over here, because diversity mm-hmm. is not just about differences that you know, it's about differences in approach, differences in thinking. And it's not just about the people that you might think are diverse. For instance, you mentioned earlier about SAP hiring people with autism. I'm involved in that project over here. And before we hire even a single person with autism here in Palo Alto, we are doing a whole lot of education, awareness, and training for everybody who might work with them. And that is so important because there are, there are subtle things that you might misread, you might misconstrue. There are, there are body language issues, there are, there, are, there are time concerns. All of this stuff has to be a lot more explicit. And if you want to make this a successful project at SAP, we have to do training for everybody who doesn't think of themselves as diverse, but who needs to work with a more diverse workforce, just the way we do that today with cultural diversity. So we have mandatory training for managers on cultural diversity from next year. Uh, neurodiversity is also going to be mandatory for all managers here. Okay, Fahim. Now let's thank you. Let's let's move into what's in it for corporate America, corporate world, for the global organizations. We're telling them, hey, open up your eyes, your minds, your hearts. Think about diversity. Create a, an inclusive DNI diversity and inclusion policy. Be sincere. Embrace us, and don't just do it as I was saying to Joe Gerstant at the beginning of the show. It's just a PC thing to say. Wow, look at our great company. We we have a DNI policy. Live it, breathe it, do something about it. But is it really worth it? What's the upside for organizations that do this extra training and TLC? Fahim, kick this off, and then I'm going to bring in the entire panel on this one, please. Sure thing. So, you know, for us, we, we really looked at making a business case for this. We looked at the, the results, the rate of innovation at different offices worldwide. We looked at the ones that had more diversity, more cultural representation, more uh, educational representation from different sectors, and we found that innovation really was a lot more profound, a lot more um, noticeable at locations which had a lot more diversity. We looked at neurodiversity. We looked. At, we have a couple of locations which employ people with autism, and we found something quite surprising. We found that not only did they have lower turnover within the, the team that had the individuals with autism, we also had lower turnover with the teams around those individuals. We found that there was a more of a caring and family attitude around them. So, really? And then there's the sense of pride that you get from having an organization that, you know, where the employees feel that they're part of something bigger and part of something better. I mean, just in the last year and a half, the results we've seen have compelled us to expand this experiment, to make this more than just an experiment and actually take it global. Um, I think when you look at the results, when you look at the way – uh, some of the companies are approaching it today, they're not just saying, how can we fulfill, how can we fill the, the lower part of the, uh, the lower end of jobs over here? We're looking at jobs that couldn't be filled. We have positions in Canada that we have a really tough time filling because they involve uh, work that is too hard to repeat for some, for let's say uh-huh. neurotypical individuals. Yes. But when you have people who want to repeat things, Oh my God, they perform so much better. 
Very, very interesting. Jogerstan, I want to bring you into this. I know you write for your contributor to Workforce <laughs> Diversity Network Expert Forum. Do you discuss these issues in terms of what are the real benefits? How fast will organizations realize these benefits? Joe, what have you seen? Yeah, I think there's a number of benefits properly understood. I mean, one of the things that this connects to is, you know, how large of a talent pool are you competing for uh, in hiring people into your organization? I think a lot of organizations compete for a much smaller talent pool than they should because they're good at hiring people that are like them, not necessarily hiring the best people for the job. Um, and, and you kind of spoke to that a little bit earlier, talking about specifically related to autism, um, how that shows up in a job interview with eye contact and, and those types of things. I think that organizations still really struggle to bring difference into their organization. And so being more intentional about it allows you to compete for a larger pool of talent than your competitors. And that's a pretty valuable thing. Um, I think that, you know, as we continue to move into this information, knowledge, creativity, design economy, the number and the mix of the mental tools that you have in your workplace is a pretty big advantage, a pretty big source of advantage. And so I think organizations like SAP that are thinking very intentionally about what kind of mental tools do we need to do, do we need to have to do this kind of work to create this kind of value, um, I think it, it puts you it puts you in a category by yourself. You're 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 no longer competing uh, for the same talent pool that a lot of other folks in your industry are. So I think the advantages are significant. Very very interesting, Karen Russell. From the standpoint of the educator, you're seeing these kids when they're young. You're also aware of the expanded definition and the increased incidence of autism spectrum disorders in the kids who come through your school system. What do you think will make a difference on the corporate side, the enterprise side, even the small to mid-sized company that says, "Hey, we really want to do this." What's it going to take for them to accept these kids who are differently abled? autism, and other differently abled categories. What do you think? Is it going to be TLC, people who say, hey, I love the world? What's it going to be for these kids to be welcomed into the workforce for their special skills? Karen? Well, I think, Bonnie, you've touched on a real issue. And as we support kids as they transition into um, into the workforce, we find that our students with special needs are most definitely discriminated against. That's because they don't mm-hmm. present as typically. They're typically developing peers. And I think that you touched on it earlier. Specifically, our kids with autism spectrum disorders are going to have difficulty with eye contact. They're going to have difficulty picking up on social cues. They're going to have difficulty censoring their language. So they might say something like, that tie you're wearing, is very ugly. And that to them might just be a very honest statement, but they're not, not understanding that in a job interview that's not something that you would say to your prospective interviewer. Um, what we found, certainly when working within our education systems, is knowledge is key, is helping people understand what is a part of the disability and what might just be a part of who that individual is. And I think that some of our speakers have talked on, about it earlier. If we can get our employers to understand that that lack of eye contact, that lack of engagement, that, um, that inability to pick up on social cues may not affect their ability to be a very good, productive worker. I think you want to, again, look at their individuals first and all of us as humans have those needs to have purpose in life and have that sense of belonging and that's no different for any of our differently abled students. Thank you, Karen. I want to throw out a question for the whole panel, Joe, Karen, Dave, and Fahim. I'm I'm thinking about 
laws protecting your privacy. I'm thinking about the job application process. I have been working for SAP for three and a half years. I went through an application process three years ago, and and I know that there are things that you cannot ask on a job application. So let's let's imagine the scenario where a, a child with, let's say, autistic spectrum, autism spectrum disorder, or ADD comes to apply, and the interviewer is not prepared. They may be following a DNI diversity and inclusion process. They may be trained, but they're not prepared because you can't put it on the application. The person comes in, hello, and as Karen said, hey, ugly tie, what have you got? I'd love to work here. And they're saying, what? So what happens in that scenario? I'm, I'm over-dramatizing, obviously, for the sake of making it uh, a spotlighting what could be a very awkward situation. Who wants to take that? Anybody? I'll throw it open to the whole panel. What happens when, when the pedal hits the metal or the metal pedal goes on the metal? What happens in that interview, in that closed room? Joe, Karen, Dave, Fahim, somebody, jump in. Well, I, I, this is Joe. I'll jump in real quick. I think that, unfortunately, inside most organizations, the way things stand today, that interview does not go very well. I think mm-hmm. even if the applicant comes in and self-discloses, which probably potentially helps the process, I think that the organization the hiring manager, the person doing the interview, the processes, um, I just don't think that they're aligned in a way that that, that interview is probably going to go well. And, again, there are uh, some exceptions to that. There are organizations that are very intentionally and deliberately uh, reaching out to include this group of folks in their talent pool. We've mentioned SAP. There's other organizations like it. Outside of those organizations, I think the interview doesn't go well. Okay. Uh, Dave Hoffer-Berth, you work with small Professional firms, mid-sized professional firms all over the world, are they prepared to have, for example, your son knock on their door and say, hey, I'd like a job. I'm a whiz in IT. I love computers. I can give you a unique talent skill you cannot find anywhere else. Hire me. That conversation, would it go well? Can you share that with us? Sure. Uh, you know, and, and I was thinking about the question earlier. I mean, first of all, I, my son never hides the fact that he's on the autistic spectrum. I think that, uh, you know, he's, he personally has used that, you know, as a, as a rallying call to make, you know, to make himself better, to, to not, not be afraid of it, um, and, of course, all the stigma that's a, a, attached to it. Uh, you know, the larger, generally what we see is the larger the organization, you know, perhaps the better prepared they are for this type of diversity. I mean, extremely small organizations unfortunately don't have the resources uh, and training usually to, to, to do well at things like this. And, and therefore, if someone like my son were interviewing at a very small organization, and I run one, you know, there would, there would, it would, it would it'd be a little more difficult. But, you know, if, if that, that individual can, you know, demonstrate that they have the skills that the organization is using, you know, there's no doubt they'd get hired. But, but as you move up, to the large organizations, you know, I've seen a lot of change in the past 20 years. Uh, I mean, you know, when we started this journey 15 years ago and had friends who had been, in, who had been on the journey themselves for 15 years, we saw, you know, some of the things that they had to tolerate and put up with that mentally my wife and I prepared for, but, mm-hmm. but for the most part, those never materialized because I think that, uh, you know, the, the world has changed to a degree. And I think that uh, Karen's point earlier about, you know, way back when, two to four per 10,000, 
uh, children were diagnosed with autism, and now it's, you know, give or take one in, one in 90, that I think that the little by little, you know, everyone is becoming a little better educated on the process. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's getting easier, but, but we've still got a long way to go, and, uh, you know, we're not done yet. We do. Thank you, Dave. I want, we're just about at break, our final break. I want to read a quote from, I was reading before at the beginning of the show, diversitybestpractices.com. I'll wrap up this segment, and then we're going to come back with Crystal Ball and have you all predict what we'll be talking about five years from today on this topic. But here's the quote. They say, many talented people with disabilities remain significantly unemployed or underemployed. The Disability Funders Network, a Virginia-based membership and advocacy organization, reports the unemployment Employment rate for people with disabilities. Now, I didn't just say autism spectrum. I said people with disabilities is 10 times higher than for the nation as a whole. It is misunderstanding, calcified attitudes, and outright prejudice that keep so many with disabilities on or underemployed. And this is why we need to redefine how we look at disabilities in the 21st century. I rest my case. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to the debut show of... HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Our topic today, important for every one of you listening, and tell somebody this episode will be on demand shortly after we're done live. The topic is finding talent in unexpected places, the differently abled. We're really touching a lot of a lot of nerves and a lot of root causes here. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. As I said, I'm talking to Joe Gersten, Karen Russell, Dave Hofferberth, Fahim Ahmed. When we come back crystal ball time let's see what they have to say okay guys polish off that crystal ball we're looking five years ahead brad take me out from the boardroom to you voice america business network with companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today hr tactics must be comprehensive and precise today's reality. Your HR department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com we're always talking business talk to an expert call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network Enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to HR Trends with Game Changers. We're going to be talking to my four guests in the order in which I brought them on the show. Joe Gerstant, Karen Russell, Dave Harferberth, and Fahim Ahmed. And I'm asking them, look ahead five years from today. If we had this show, what would we really be talking about? So the topic is finding talent in unexpected places, the differently abled. Joe Gerstant, can you look ahead five years from me and what do you see? Good, bad, different, ugly, beautiful? What will the world and the differently abled be like? What will that relationship be in the corporate or the 
the other business part of the world? I think that um, in general, Bonnie, I'm a fairly optimistic person. I'm not terribly optimistic about this issue. I think that um, this issue is far off the radar screen for most organizations today. I think that a lot of organizations are struggling to make real progress around issues of gender and race. Uh, and we've been doing that work for a while. We still are a long way from pay equity. There's still not a lot of diversity in senior leadership roles. Um, and this is for organizations that are even serious about diversity inclusion. What we're talking about today isn't um, a primary issue for a lot of those organizations. So I, I don't think we're going to be a lot further down the road in five years. We're taking some small steps forward now. I think we'll continue taking some small steps, but I, I don't think that this is going to be something that most organizations are focusing on uh, five years from now. I think it's going to take us a little bit longer than that. Okay, Joe, I have a question, tough question for you before we turn to Karen's predictions. Joe Gerstant, if you could talk right now to startups around the world, let's talk about technology startups in particular, near and dear to, to our hearts here at SAP. If you could talk to the startups, what would you say to them about really embracing the idea of diversity and inclusion from the get-go in their business plan, in their starting team, so that it was part of the fabric of their business as they ramp up? What would your message be, Joe? That's a a great and an interesting question because I think some of the best examples of diversity inclusion work are showing up in startups that aren't even talking about diversity inclusion. They're just relentlessly focused on what they need as far as talent, and they they don't get hung up on the packaging. Uh, So I, I would tell those startup organizations to be crystal clear about what talent means for you. What kind of tools, abilities, and skills do you need to create the value that you're trying to create. Don't focus on the packaging. Focus on the actual tools and skills. And I think that uh, we're going to continue to see startups do a good job of that because um, a lot of them are focused. From the very beginning, they're focused on innovation, creativity, change, disruption. Um, I think it's a little bit easier for those organizations to do it than some, some larger, more traditional organizations. Very interesting answer. I was hoping you were going to say that, and your answer actually contradicted what you were saying in a good way, Joe, that you were predicting not much will change. If we see startups becoming very successful very quickly, we will see great examples. I firmly believe that, and that's a good, optimistic viewpoint. Thank you, Joe. Karen Russell, from the education standpoint, we've covered a lot of territory today. Five years from today, what would you be seeing in this conversation if we had part two five years ahead? What do you see? Well, Bonnie, we have heard those figures about the um, unemployment or underemployment of students with disabilities being 10 times higher than that of their typically developing peers, and that's something that's obviously very concerning. And so we have been trying to put more focus on our transition programs and providing students with coaching and training for their post-secondary experiences. Um, Dave and I were talking a little bit during the break, and I don't mean to steal your thunder, Dave, but I think one of the most critical things that we can do as educational institutions is focus on early intervention. And I know that that does make long-lasting and impactful results for our kids with disabilities. And so I, I tend to see the future very, very positive. The other interesting factor that we see kind of integrated more and more in our schools is assistive technology, which I see as opening all sorts of new doors for our students with disabilities. 
Thank you very much, Karen. That, that's some good optimism there, and I'm glad you and Dave had a chance to talk. You know, we do have uh, professional relationships have bonded and forged on this show, so I'm glad the panel got to know each other. Dave Hofferberth, SPI Research, from the professional services workforce standpoint. Dave, what do you see five years from now? Well, a couple things, and obviously as, uh, as the parent of a uh, autistic child, uh, you know, I have a, a, two roles here. Um, first of all, in professional services, the biggest problem we have right now in the market is what we call or what has been called the talent cliff. And the fact that in professional services, we're not finding the people to help these companies grow. So all of a sudden you're seeing companies go after each other's employees. But the fact is that we're trying to, to grow the talent pool both internationally as well as, you know, within our own borders. And so, you know, I'm extremely optimistic. And again, I can, I can say that personally because I've seen a change in the past 15 years that, that, um, you know, I, I think 15 years ago, we, my wife and I were more focused on doom and gloom, and today we're extremely optimistic about what we've seen, what we've been involved with, and everything like that. So, you know, the world is, is gaining a, a better education on this topic, and I think as time goes on, it'll, it'll get better and better. There's always going to be problems. There will always be problems here and there, but I just see them, you know, mi- being minimal um, in terms Thanks. of... You know, the things that, that, you know, I would tell every parent, you know, and Karen just said it, you know, the early intervention was so critical to to us, and we tried different things, different types of treatments, you know, because we, we would do anything and everything, you know, obviously to help our, our son. And, you know, just encourage encourage him or her, you know, if, if they have an issue, because, you know what, they're going to be fine. If you work with them, you can help them, and you can figure out with them, where they want to be and who they want to be and help them uh, create that roadmap uh, in terms of their future. So I'm, I'm a lot, I'm, I'm extremely optimistic, uh, you know, because I've been living this for 15 years. Thank you, Dave, and thanks for sharing so much personal information on the show. Very appreciated. And let's turn to our fourth panelist, Fahim Ahmed. Fahim, I'll give you a minute. Predict what's happening five years from today. What do you see in that crystal ball? Well, I kind of agree with Joe that these are long-standing issues that will take quite a long time to sort out. Generational issues, gender, race, culture, even religious accommodation are going to continue to be on the radar and be hot topics. But if you just do the numbers, if you look at what our schools are doing to educate children with special needs and particularly autism, there's 500,000 people that are going to graduate from schools and enter the workforce. So within the next five to eight years, I see this becoming a major, major concern for many people. And just as Dave and Karen talked about early intervention, early intervention starts before children go to school and helps them make the transition into school and makes a world of a difference. I, too, have seen the difference with my child. I think we need a similar kind of program for transitioning from the educational system into the workplace. What is the right early intervention for making that transition? How do we partner? How do we get partnerships between education and the private sector to make this a very smooth and successful transition? To me, if we can get programs going to do that, that will be a major driving force and hopefully will make this transition a lot better in the next few years. 
Thank you, Fahim. Great. And I'm glad we have a couple of optimists on the panel. I think you all are. We're just realists and trying to see what we can do and what companies can do. Hopefully, this topic today and all of your words of wisdom from Joe Gerstant, Karen Russell, Dave Hofferberth, and Fahim Ahmed will reach the right people. Will People will be listening and they'll say, yeah, I really need to think about this differently which is one of the meanings of diversity. I have my predictions, and they're easy because I wrote them down. Next week, number two in our new series, HR Trends with Game Changers, we'll be talking about leaders at all levels, empowering leadership in all employees. September 24th, we'll be talking about leaders showing up, Power of Leaders Teaching Leaders and October 1st, back to our favorite DNI topic, diversity and inclusion, the business impacts of DNI. Tomorrow, Coffee Break with Game Changers, my flagship show, Wednesday, 8 a.m. Pacific. We'll be talking about engaging your customer, recipe for a long and happy marriage. Woohoo! I want to say special thank you to our panel on this debut show, Joe Gerstant, Karen Russell, Dave Hofferberth, Fahim Ahmed. You're all wonderful. Thanks for sharing your expertise, your insights, and your heart. I actually heard some heart in there and we appreciate it shout outs to liz brenner thanks for sponsoring this new series tom flanagan couldn't do it without you kiddo great manager for this brand new series we appreciate everything you've done and tom you picked a great panel you and liz so thank you malcolm kimberlin my co-producer and brad of course in the business channel team here on world talk radio aka voice america and now it's time for my call to action put your seatbelt on kids here we go what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for the first edition of HR Trends with Game Changers presented by SAP. Talk to you tomorrow on Coffee Break. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to HR Trends with Game Changers presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.